Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, and welcome to Thank You, Saturn, with me, Fern Angel Beatty. Thank You, Saturn is a fortnightly podcast on the lesser discussed topic of the quarter-life crisis. Saturn is the teacher planet, taking on average 30 years to orbit planet Earth. By the time it arrives back to the position it was in when we were born, we are expected to have learned important lessons from the first quarter of our life and be on our intended path. If we are not, this age can be difficult, as Saturn forces us to confront our fears, uprooting our lives in a myriad of ways to push us in the right direction. This is not punishment, but tough love. So if we heed its warnings, once it's off on its galactic trajectory once more, we can finally say, thank you, Saturn. I'll take a look at our guests' birth charts to see whereabouts their Saturn is placed and compare the predictions of this placement to our guests' reality. Our guest today is Lizzie Hills, the self-proclaimed accidental accountant who is the commercial finance director of Burger King, as well as one of my closest friends. We first became friends when working at Casual Dining Group together, where Lizzie became finance director at the insanely impressive age of 29. Lizzie is also a former rower. She was in the junior British rowing team of 2003 to 2005, winning the Junior World Cup regatta and competing at the World Championships, as well as being a national champion with her club. What have you been up to? <laughs> Working a lot, unfortunately. Sadly, I've not been furloughed over lockdown, so it's been a sort of slightly different experience to others, but I think... It's definitely distracted me. So yeah, working, not exercising enough and probably eating too much. So um, <laughs> I think that's definitely the same as everyone else in lockdown. But um, Can you tell our listeners what you do for a living? Yes. So I'm a commercial finance director at Burger King in the UK. And I've been there for three years. I basically look after all the strategy of the company looking forward rather than looking backwards. So I do all the exciting stuff, not all the boring kind of financial accounting pieces. Lots and lots of stuff around the future. So I get the interesting side of finance, but obviously all from a financial point of view. So it all comes down to the money as uh, these things always do. And I met Lizzie when we both worked at Casual Dining Group. And I need to big you up a little bit here. Lizzie was (laughs) financial director at what, the age of 29? 29, yeah. Mental. Also, she's got a sense of humour. (laughs) <laughs> it's one of the things that um I don't know it's getting more and more in accountants these days well I, I call myself the as, as you know like the accidental accountant because I think that I never really wanted to be an accountant and probably still don't technically <laughs> wasted in accounts. wasted in accounts everyone has a view of what they think finance and accounting is and I think it's great that now we can sort of change that slightly my generation maybe there are still a lot of them out there you know the number crunchers and all that sort of stuff and um I was actually interesting having a chat with someone this week about 
me not thinking I was a good enough FD because my priority, I, I focus much more on my team than deadlines. And I think if my team are happier, then they'll deliver better. But you know, getting money out for the, for the business sort of comes as a secondary objective for me. So I said, that probably doesn't make me a very good FD. And she was like, no, I think that makes you a great FD. So we have oh. to challenge those norms. And I think that's what I find really exciting about my role at the moment. And I hate to use the word status, but the status I have that can affect other people to go into that profession and think I can be a bit different and I can do things differently and still be successful. And I think that's what I really love about my job now is that the fact I hopefully will be able to influence others um, and younger females and all sorts of people coming through the, uh, the ranks below me. Lizzie and I are both Geminis. We, I think we're both extroverts. We present as extroverts, but both quite introverted and sensitive and scatty at yeah. times. Yeah, so Lizzie is a Gemini, but her Saturn is different. I'm so happy about this. So the past few guests I've interviewed, all their Saturns have been in Capricorn because they were all my age and I didn't even realise because uh, when you approach yes. guests to interview them, you don't say like, I'll only interview on the conditions that I know your birth chart. You say, are you interested? Then you look up their birth chart. And they all tended to be my age, which means everyone's Saturn was in Capricorn. So yours is in Sagittarius, which is really good because we get to switch it up a bit. And <laughs> your Saturn is also in the fourth house. Lizzie, your Saturn return happened in December 2016. So it was very short and sweet. Well, maybe not sweet. Or not. <laughs> Can you tell we me what happened out. in December 2016? It was a really interesting one. So when you sent me this document, I was um, I was quite surprised actually, because I know and I've listened to an avid, re- uh, avid reader, avid listener of your podcast. And I found it very interesting that one, I had quite a short return and most people had, like you say, they kind of were going through something or had sort of realized things by that point. But I think I was just in a bit of a mare, to be honest. And I think I'm probably the first guest that you've got, which was just in a bit of a weird time. Obviously, I was working with yourself at the time at Casual Dining Group. Um, oh, God, yeah. Were we working together yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I joined in January of that year. So I was kind of a year into that role. It obviously gone really well. Like you said, I was promoted to FD that summer and it was career-wise everything was going great but I think in just my life I was just having that sort of funny five minutes of like is this it for me is this what I'm happy doing is this who I'm happy with is this where I'm happy living I remember at the time um I wasn't living with my boyfriend and I wanted to and that was I was just kind of a bit I don't want to use the word angry but just a bit out of sorts I was like where is this it like in limbo yeah yeah and I feel like it was a real limbo stage I was probably not particularly I wasn't unhappy, but I probably wasn't happy with the current situation I was in. I I knew it was probably going to be quite short term as well. But I do remember that month particularly being Christmas parties, getting drunk and just being like, yeah, just not really being myself. And I I feel that's that's probably the best summary of it. It wasn't quite myself. And I wasn't quite sure if I was on the path or off the path or where the path was, to be quite honest. I was just feeling a bit out of sorts. I was talking to my friend Alicia the other day and she said that similar to what most guests have said that the actual Saturn return nothing big happened but it seemed to be like the events leading up to it and she said that she felt like the whole five years leading up to that was like tumultuous which I think is just how 20s are generally but that that period which was her Saturn return she just had a like final few more bits to learn Um, and I feel like as well that us lot at CDG like we're really like I said like we're still there um we have we've still got a really tight friendship group and I feel like for those of us who have left we felt like that was a limbo place but we had such a good team that it was like we didn't actually want to leave it 
Like, yeah, it was like, it was like comfort. Yeah, in the friendship, it was almost like a school thing. Like, you know, that's not the final round, but you want to kind yeah. of just stay there and enjoy it. Like everyone kind of went there and then met and had a great time. But kind of whatever we did there or whatever we experienced there kind of led us, led us on to our next stage. So like for you, once you had to get out, you knew something, it might have gone down first, but it was going to go up. And we all yeah. learned, I think, a lot about that time. And obviously I didn't leave on the best terms but it was good terms in the end. And it was just all of it. Yeah. And I think for some of the other characters have recently left as well. I think characters, so. I love it. <laughs> I don't want to name any names. If you're listening. But, um, <laughs> it's just, it's one of those places that, you know, sometimes you can't see the wood from the trees because you're in such a happy place, like you said. And actually when you leave, you think, oh, not, it wasn't a mistake, but it, it's taught me so many good lessons, but also we've had the best times. And yeah. I think that was what was a really good experience about it. Yeah, you're like ripping the plaster off, leaving that place. Yes. <laughs> so your Saturn in Sagittarius is called the Explorer. So I'm just going to read a passage out. It says, when your Saturn is in Sagittarius, you do not see the big picture and the road ahead. Instead, you see what's right in front of your face, the details, the short term, life as we know it rather than how it could be. One is not better than the other, but we need both at different times. You, Saturn in Sagittarius, have moments of puny and narrow vision. Your lack of faith or belief in people and in the world around you will sadden not only your dearest friends, but yourself as well. You must learn to look up, because when Saturn is in Sagittarius, it adds a sandbag to a balloon-like personality. It's not just the gloom that occasionally results, but downright despair, and it takes the beautiful Sagittarian optimism and stomps on it. You must learn to temper your pessimism with sweet vision, to soften your realism with your belief in magic, and that good things happen and good people exist. Even though life's not a dream, it's not always a nightmare either. Saturn in Sagittarius can often result in self-denial or pleasure. Your lust for life is no adventure, no open road. You hide the truth instead of telling it. The truth is that the world is good and bad, heavy and light, physical and spiritual. But Saturn in Sagittarius will err on the side of sombre sobriety until they learn to tell a different story and become that buoyant balloon. And that passage is taken from Eliza Einhorn's Little Book of Saturn. I always say it has kind of been a bit like, bipolar Gemini, Gemini in terms of like you're happy yeah exactly I see it's a bit of a Gemini thing but I think like I'm such a positive person and you know like very upbeat and always trying to see the good in things but I'm such a realist at the same time I think I'm really optimistic but yeah I'm also very like I'm, I'm such a dreamer I'm like oh yeah we can do this we can do that we can do that but I think probably in my heart of hearts I probably don't believe that I will actually achieve it or actually mm-hmm. do it and I think when I so when I was like you know when I got the FD role or whatever I always feel like oh well there's a reason why I got it and it wasn't anything to do with me I'm always Imposter a bit pessimistic yeah very much so and I think that's probably a lot to do with many things upbringing etc but I genuinely probably do believe in magic <laughs> and that's what made me laugh when I read that thinking I do but I often sometimes think my pessimism bit is well actually yeah probably I don't really deserve it and I think yeah. that's why I found it quite interesting because I know um, you probably don't think the somber sobriety is my thing, but I'm very, when I'm on my own, kind of very regimented and very thing like making plans and you know doing one thing at a time. I can believe that because I'm exactly the same, and it's so out of character. People wouldn't expect it of us. They probably think we everything's in a tip, and we just whiz around like doing a million different yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, and it's very bizarre, isn't it? Because like even now, like I can't even on a Saturday morning if I don't know what the plan is. I get like quite stressed out about it. Yeah. And people will probably think I'm like, oh yeah, let's go for the drinks. Oh, let's do that. And sometimes I know, for example, some of my friends who love a drink, I'm sometimes scared to go out with them because I know I don't want to, I just want a couple and want to go home. And they'll be like, yeah, but you're the life and soul. Like, why are you not wanting to come out? Like you're all, and like, because I'm scared because I don't actually want to get out of control. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's very strange because you only, you only bring your best self to the 
the party and so when the parties are sort of not on your terms or not when you're ready for it it's just it kind of throws me off quite a bit my so god do... we're so similar it's like yeah. I can have a blowout if it's if I know someone's birthday's coming up I can plan for it in advance I know I'm not doing anything the next day then I can be like that but Christina always says to me that I'm like my dad my dad will say something to me on the phone like I won't call you on Wednesday because I'm having a bath that evening instead of a shower and she's like you're your dad you wake up in the morning you're like what time are we doing this what time are we doing that and people probably wouldn't expect that from us no, it's really unknown I just I, I don't get stressed out about it but I do like to have the good, like, I just need to know, like, it's fine. I just need to know when roughly we're going to eat or if we're going to eat in or out, just because I need to know in my head. And it's like, why? I was like, I don't know. Just You don't care what the answer is. You just need yeah, to no, absolutely. adjust <laughs> just what me. part of the twin you're going to let out to deal with <laughs> yeah. that. It does add a sad bag to a million personality because sometimes it annoys me that I'm like that. I'm like, oh, I wish I could just let go a bit more. I wish I could just not care. And I remember even at university, like, I had three jobs to sort of support myself and to pay the bills and um some people like oh just come out just come out and I was like actually and I was so stressed about the money I was like well I know I have the money but I was just still couldn't let myself go I couldn't be that person who ends up out till 4am and on someone's sofa there's something in me that just says mm, just take it easy a bit and you don't just... show it though like you are good at hiding it so don't ever yeah. worry about that <laughs> and I feel yeah. like when you when you talk to me I definitely get that you believe in magic uh, like in a general sense like whenever I talk to you you seem so like inspired and you don't seem like rooted in fact or logic like you allow yourself to be more whimsical when when I talk yeah. to you do you know what I mean oh everything I genuinely believe anything is possible and I genuinely believe that anyone can achieve anything they want to like I'm, I'm literally that sort of Absolutely. If you want to run a marathon and you've got one leg, you can do it. You can do anything. And I'm, I'm so supportive of everyone's dreams. And I think, and, and my own, because even though maybe sometimes I don't believe my own, I do genuinely think anything is possible. And that if hard work and perseverance, sometimes a bit of luck, don't get me wrong, you know, you're not going to go to the moon. I think there's some dreams that are just a bit ridiculous, you know, if you don't have a rocket. But, you know, generally speaking, in 99% of, of things that people actually want to achieve or want to do, they can do. Do you think that what you were going through in December 2016 of feeling like you didn't know where you were in your love life or work life, do you think that's an example of where they say that you look at the narrow vision rather than the big picture or that you were on a journey, you would get there eventually? I didn't know what my dream was. I think I kind of got a good job. I got good friends. I got a great boyfriend. I was just sort of a bit of probably didn't know what my what next was. I'm a planner probably in the short term. In the long term, I've never had a plan I just hope that it's going to be the best year I can have for myself I don't know if I'm going to be in the same job this time next year or the same house but that doesn't bother me I can't be I don't get stressed about stuff like that but I think in this particular time which is why it's such a weird month to describe which I know why something must have been going on is I just didn't really know why I wasn't happy but yeah I guess I've already wanted to move in with my boyfriend but that's probably the only thing and I knew at some point it would happen not because you know it was such a dream or I was going to like you know just move in without telling him but you know I knew it was on the cards <laughs> but I just I don't know I had this weird vibe of like what 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 am I doing what's what's going on in my life where is where is my compass I think that's probably the first time where I've needed an anchor and I didn't have one well listener that. she moved in with him <laughs> not that that was all that it was about your challenge bearing in mind this was your challenge back then you must learn to broaden your horizons and seek experience. One way to do this is to travel, to explore other countries. You must leave home and get to know other customs and cultures and people around the world, even in your own community. To leave home is to leave safety. You must wander and roam. You must see your face in the faces of others and strange places. 
You are more than just practical and serious and sober. You are glass three quarters empty, often missing the wonder and beauty of animals and nature because you're too busy working, head buried under papers. You work overtime and for what? It's not about the money. You must play, not just work. You must pray, not just worry. The jovial, horsey spirit of Sun Sagittarius is dormant in you. Learn adventure, learn the world. Travel for you shouldn't be a hobby, but a way of life. And that passage is taken from Eliza Einhorn's Little Book of Saturn. So now when I read that, again, surface level knowing you, I would say that that wasn't completely accurate because I know you as working hard, but also playing hard and you do travel a lot. Back then, was it the case? It comes back to like financial security. And I think I did travel, but I still always worried about it. I could never sort of let myself fully go in because I had that sort of same worry that I probably had at university. It was like, oh my God, this is quite frivolous. Mm. I still had that in my heart mind. I didn't deserve to enjoy it, if that makes sense. And I love traveling. I love being in other cultures and seeing other people and Again, I'm not saying traveling to five star hotels. I'm saying I travel like, you know, to backpacking in India. And I just love seeing the world. And this is absolutely right where it's like when you see your your face in the faces of others, even though I can't speak many languages, like just seeing people and communicating. You know what I'm like? I'm a visual person. Mm. I know you can't see this on the podcast. I'm like shaking my hand even now to sort of explain things with my hands. Talk to their hands, yeah. (laughs) Talk to their hands. And I think it's just... um, yeah, I think at that time I did. Well, interestingly, in January that year, or actually Christmas that year, we went to India together, me and Yako, and um, we had a great, great holiday in India. And I think it was sort of the first time where we really stripped back. We you know, like I said, we just backpacked down the sort of the east coast of India, and it was just west coast, east, west coast, sorry, um, from Goa all the way down to the south. And it was that real freeing moment of like, this is just us. And we were literally on this train in the middle of nowhere. And I'm sure, if you've been to India, I'm sure you can like recognize this sort of thing. There's just hundreds of people on this train. And they just ha- you have that moment when you travel and you think, no one knows where I am. I don't know where I am. I'm just on a train in this huge country with hundreds and hundreds of people. But I feel so alone. It probably didn't broaden my horizons so much. I think since that, tri- that trip, I've now... I'm now so much more relaxed when I do travel. I'm not chasing, 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 like ticking boxes. Like, oh, I need to go here. I need to go to another country or I haven't been to India, so I must go to India. It used to be probably more about that as in terms of a kind of, I don't know, proving myself to people maybe that like I'd traveled or I, yeah, I, I, that's me. And it always was, but I don't think I'd had that release that now I can like be in that country and just be with people and be content. And I think that was what was really prevalent around that time as well, because it was that December that year when I went and I loved it. I do now travel a lot more contentedly rather than just to go. I think that's definitely changed since then. You mentioned before that when you had something or you travelled, you felt as if you didn't deserve it. Why do you think that is? I think it's just really when, you know, when you come from, you know, a, a family or just an upbringing where, you know, money was scarce it was always a as a massive treat and it still is yeah it's that whole frivolous thing I think you know I've I luckily did very well in my career and now I'm not don't get me wrong I'm not like bowling in it but you know I've, I'm, I'm comfortable now and that's never been the case before and I think even before this role as well like even at CDG that was probably the first time I started getting really comfortable in knowing that I was going to be all right financially mm-hmm. um, and then could be there to support my family and, and and whatever I needed going forward so it kind of was a bit of a shift as soon as that I think that was probably also happening at this time this realization that like okay I don't have to worry about 
that anymore. Like maybe I've, you were replacing and, those worries with. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's it, it might well be true because it's kind of and I hate to use this expression because I don't believe it all at all. But when I say like I'd kind of made it by then, I'd got to what I mean is like I've qualified for my accounting exams. I got to a place I was in a stable job that I knew I was good at, and I was like all of a sudden I didn't have to worry about that anymore. So I was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm here. And even if I lost my job, or which I didn't <laughs> actually perversely did the year later, got made redundant, I was like, I think I'm going to be okay now. I've got the qualifications, I've got the connections, I've got enough experience now that, yeah, I might not might not be the dream job, but I've I've got that security. So I guess it was, yeah, like what, yeah, like which other box now needs to be Yeah, fulfilled? it's the moving of the goalposts, isn't it? They say that to be truly happy, you need to have got something you wanted, but there needs to be something else that you haven't got yet. Because if you've got everything, like you said, you think, what if? And then you can actually get quite existential about it. Yeah, and I think that's the whole thing when you're sort of going through that transition. Like when you say, like, I don't deserve it. I, I remember like sitting on a beach once. I was like, I've earned this money to be here. You know, I deserve this holiday. I've got the annual leave, whatever. Like, why do I feel like I don't deserve it? And it's just a very strange feeling. I just thought like maybe it was for other people or I don't deserve to be able to enjoy it or it's a bit... Didn't know how to relax because you were yeah. working so hard to get something and then you were like, oh. Yeah, you're probably right. It's just like you're working, working, working. You get to the beach and you're like, what? Yeah, where, where am I? I yeah, yeah. you're probably right, actually. I was so focused on the task in hand of earning enough money to get there that I didn't think about getting there. Yeah. <laughs> when I was there, I was like, oh, okay, this is yeah. weird. You know, when I was working at CUG and I used to do like my side projects of writing in the evening and stuff. Mm. And then after that, I got a job purposely working on a reception so I could just like write in my day job. And then it was almost like when I got home, because that's what I'd usually do to relax. I didn't know how to just watch TV and I wouldn't actually feel relaxed unless I had two or three side projects on the go. And even now in lockdown, I have to be working every day otherwise I get so restless and I'm like yeah. I'll get down I need to be working on something so yeah that sounds... but do you think that's also because you're distracting yourself or is it just because that's the nature of you because I often think that sometimes I'm like do I what is it a constant need to prove something to myself or is it just my personality I think beforehand it was uh, a, a distraction from the fact that i well both like I knew I didn't need to stay at CDG forever so I was trying to get out by doing other things but now I'm content and I think it's just yeah. become ingrained in me yeah yeah Interesting. also I'm not making money from it full time yet so I do have to actually still <laughs> um, so since then would you say you've chilled out quite a bit yeah I think so yeah okay your gift is your reliability an underestimated trait we call and you come you promise and you deliver dependable you pay the bills remember the appointments show up for friends and family when we need you this isn't boring this is necessary you're there for us with your clear-headed gentle wisdom you're not a pie in the sky thinker oh you did say that no wild goose <laughs> chases or get rich quick schemes here you don't need to be taught to slow down and listen and take your time you're patient thoughtful and sane you stay in your lane you are detail orientated and catch little mistakes before they become big ones this can frustrate you because you're given the secretarial tasks but you're good at them and they're easy for you despite being tedious you don't quit until the job is done and that passage is taken from eliza einhorn's little book of saturn yeah very mixed bag i was going to say when you say you get given the secretarial task but you're good at them i just want to quote that for any listeners who are in our new forest gang this is what i tried to do with our food order this year despite <laughs> ordering 15 bags of coriander by accident <laughs> so, but yeah i am i think i think this is right i think this is a bit like i was it made me think a little bit about what we were saying earlier like 
about when you say dependable sometimes I'm like if I'm not in the mood to socialize I'm not actually dependable but if there was ever a problem I am there I'm mm. on the phone I remember if someone's got an appointment that day I remember if someone needs a text that day if they're going through something or they have an interview I always remember and I'm always yeah there with the clear-headed just gentle wisdom and I think I, it's very true I'm not a pie in the sky thinker or wild goose chases I think I'm very optimistic but I'm not nuts if you know what I mean I'm not I'm okay it's like you know move this here and move up there and see what happens I'm still very systematic and stuff like that but many would disagree that you're not (laughs) (laughs) depends how drunk I am actually I think that's fine I mean in my sanest time then yeah but um I think I'd yeah patient thoughtful and saying like yeah I kind of get a bit carried away at times but I think my if in a I was reading this a little bit like in a crisis or in something goes wrong that's when your natural traits come out and I remember my mum always saying, she's like, you'd be a really good pilot because you just always stay really calm under pressure. And if something goes wrong, you're the first one to be like, all right, stop. What's going on? Let's mm. fix it. Where are the issues? And I can, even though I am a bit of a dreamer and sometimes can be a bit all over the place, when it comes to a problem, I'm literally straight away, right, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to make it better? So I think that's very true. And especially for being like the reliable friend, I would always be the one if, and always have been the one I'm like Sal or Hindus when someone's got too drunk I'll be the one who knows he's sober up instantly where are the keys who needs to get her in a taxi I would be that character so yeah detail oriented I tell my boss that I definitely am <laughs> <laughs> even though sometimes I miss a few um but catch little mistakes before they become big ones more or less easier to catch other people's mistakes before they become big ones rather than my own probably but I think that's also just growing up, right? So I think in that time, I was probably making little mistakes into big mistakes. But I think now, which one is this? Can you is elaborate? Like, what do you mean? I was just getting too bogged down in details where, or things that, I don't know, just getting distracted by things that I shouldn't have got distracted by. In your, in you mean mentally, like, in, your, in your thoughts? Yeah, in my thoughts. And just knowing, you know, and chasing things that I know or not even chasing just letting yeah letting things in my thoughts distract me so much more than they were probably going to materialize and ever I ever really wanted I just let myself get distracted by stuff yeah because I thought in an unhappy place so I think I did you know catch some of them before they became big ones but you know like I said you know I was getting quite drunk in Christmas parties you know like making drunken phone calls to Yako like it's not very it's just stuff like that right could have I could have not very becoming Lizzie (laughs) it's not very ladylike is it (laughs) why wouldn't you talk to me um but I think stuff like that you know it could have probably been a big mistake luckily he didn't let them make that happen but I think that's where that time was very turbulent because I kind of yeah needed answers constantly but I wasn't getting them but I didn't really know what I needed the answers for so I think this is very, um, that's why I think sometimes when I first read these things at first glance or hear them, I didn't think it was very true. And then once I sort of dig, dug into it a little bit, it was very, very uh, accurate. Yeah. Mine was the same. It was all about like embracing your inner freak. And I was like, I think I do that. But then when I looked at it, I was like, oh, no, I guess maybe not in every situation. When the, with the bit that says... Um, you remember you pay the bills you remember the appointments and you've told me that you're very regimented in like your plans and stuff I don't want to put you in my boat but I'm just curious do you feel like you does that come naturally to you or have you learned to do that because you know that you 
am I right that you you quite in your head because I am and I just yeah. relate everything like you to yeah. me yeah 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 so do you feel like you have to do these regimented things so that you stay on top of things um I think I also used to have I do have a bit of the fear so the catch the little mistakes before they become big ones <laughs> it's gonna sound like a really bad example but like I had a read I had a really bad appointment once at the dentist where they like completely fucked my tooth up and I, I was terrified of the dentist ever since because she basically had a, had a filling and she slipped and just went and something snapped off and I swear oh to god, god she was like oh no no it's this filling's deeper than I thought and I was like you've literally just jumped like jugged your hand on my face I'm pretty yeah. sure it wasn't and I was terrified ever since so I know uh, I should have gone to the dentist every two years every six months I was too scared and but not it's not like I don't keep on top of them I just the fear of going was too much and then I had the guilt on top of the fear because I then didn't want to go because I didn't want them to tell me off for not going <laughs> so it just became really really bad but that's just an example where it didn't work but I think generally speaking yeah I'm very organized in my head I know I should even if I don't maybe go I know exactly when I need to be going I literally knew the other day I was like right it's November I, um, I need to go to the optician wow go in November because I got maybe done it in November and I was, that's when I did all my stuff so like annually I know now is optician time and so yeah I, I know exactly what to do I've always I've ordered the food order I know exactly when Sainsbury's is coming I've looked in the fridge to organize exactly what we need to eat and the food and I literally he doesn't even have to tell me what we've run out of because it's already on the order like amazing it's nuts the guy just literally opens the fridge and there's everything we need always forever he's like what, what's this like you can't eat that because that's with the meal on Thursday night or what have you wow so organized. I'm joke. impressed yeah that is not like me Although I'm not really given the chance, Christina does all that. Like, I don't. <laughs> but um, I'm really bad for it though, and to the point where it gets a bit like OCD-ish, which people again don't see that detail-oriented. Like I know exactly how much of the jar we've got left because I yeah. know I need it for a meal, and so I'm a bit of a yeah, in a freak about that as well. But or in a geek, sorry, geek. I um I wanted to ask when it says you're good, you're good at the secretarial tasks, and they're easy for you despite being tedious. Um, Christina was telling me about a guy she works with he's got a really like creative brain and he does the right it's like a very small example but he does the rotor every week because it's the most boring job and it allows I'm not saying your job's boring I'm talking about detail orientated a rotor is boring to do um, and it allows his <laughs> it allows his brain to just do like be monotonous does that help you do you think does it calm you your job obviously not the big <laughs> the day-to-day -day of it yeah I think it does I think at the moment I think sometimes it's what now I have a team of people working for me I do sometimes find that adds more stress because I'm not in control as much and yeah. I trust them with my life they are fantastic they are so good they never make mistakes genuinely they are fantastic um and I couldn't have a couldn't ask or want for a better team but I think sometimes it does it also a bit of there's always a bit of purpose in there as well like it's the monotonous task the other day I had to literally just type that someone had sent me some accounts on a pdf and I just had to type up like a, a page of numbers probably the best morning I've had in some time because I could check it all and it could all add up to be the right number and yeah it's like literally typing for about 45 minutes a page of numbers up Meditation. and then made sure it all and yeah honestly made sure it all added up and everything was clean everything was tidy and it looked well and I was like I needed that so yeah. I think sometimes the monotonous task also, but it also makes, it gives you the reassurance again that you do know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true, but you can do it. You can get it to balance. You can get it to work. And when you do a bit of, yeah, when I get back into my real job that I used to do, like CDG, I did a lot more hands-on stuff because I didn't have a team. Um, 
it does make you feel quite accomplished. And I think that process driven, I can always in my day find something like that that I can do to fulfill and to sort of to move on with. So I think it does, that does definitely help the order. And um, it ticks that box, definitely. If I have a day full of meetings, like Mondays and Tuesdays are days for the meetings, so by the end of the days, I feel all over the place and feel like really ungrounded. Whereas on like Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays is when I get more, when I get to do the work. Actually do discussing. the work, yeah. And I do, they don't, they are, gen- not only are they just, you know, the back end of the week, but I do genuinely feel more organised and better in control. I guess that's your that work point. version of, um, you know, like going out to socialise and then going home to charge. <laughs> like the meeting, <laughs> the, social, the, the socialising and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and doing the work. That, yeah, that I think sense. it's that sort of detail-oriented thing and like the um, secretarial task. If, again, it's going to make me sound like a bit of a control freak, but I know that I can control it. I can do it and I can be responsible for setting the plan. And yeah. I think if I can be master of my own day or week, it makes it a lot easier for me to be able to deal with it. If like that random email comes in at 6 p.m., as it often does, it just does throw you. And sometimes I think that's also what accountants like. They like the they like the sort of routine. And again, like though people probably don't see that about me from my personality, it is something that probably allows me to be the the balloon during the evenings because <laughs> so, uh, so miserable during the day. But no, I think you're definitely right. I think it does the job definitely helps on that. Your ambition. You long to feel light, to feel the wind in your hair, to travel the seven seas. You long to be free, to wander the world. If only you could feel joy. You long to make your dreams not a reality, but into even bigger dreams. Be the horse, be the road. Move your body, buy the ticket, spin the big wheel. Don't mope, don't rage, don't lie down and die. And that passage is taken from Eliza Einhorn's Little Book of Saturn. So I think every one of your guests has had this bit where like that resonates the most. I remember with Blimes and she said like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, you're reading my brain. I was like, this is exactly what I felt like. Oh my God, this is so true. A bit like we discussed earlier when I was sat on the beach, I didn't quite feel like I should be there. Like you long to feel light. I I wish I could be that person. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes find like I'm constantly chasing it, but will I ever get there? And when it says the same, like, you make um, your dreams into reality, but bigger dreams. I feel that's the sort of same. I'm like, right, I'm there. Great. But do I deserve it? Or what's the next dream? And even though I'm probably in the moment or in the dream at the time. So I found this very, very, very like, like sorry. I found this really resonated with me the most. I found it very uh, interesting. And that I think probably at that time as well, it was, yeah, I was just, what I, I long to feel the light but what light I want to feel the wind in my hair but what wind you know I I just do feel like at that time it was really unclear to me but this is still genuinely my my ambition is to sort of be free and be like rid of the demons that have probably held me back in the past and that affected me in that time so I really yeah I've been this sort of spin the wig wheel though not an not not an accounting thing there I know that's that's, well I was thinking about you said accidental accountant do you think part of you still like you've said before you you, you've mentioned to me lots of times like I could see you being an amazing tv presenter I could see you being a comedian I could see you doing being a talk show host radio show like I could see you doing so many things uh you're an amazing rower you've just got back into that which I love um and you like I thought of that when it said move your body you are moving (laughs) um yeah do you feel like there's 
that you still don't, well, you don't know what you want to do. And you think that's what is making you feel like there's a lack of joy, even though that might not be the thing, but the thought that you're, you haven't reached your full potential in the field that you want. I think that's probably right. I think that, um, and, I'm, and I'm not alone in this. I'm sure there's so many people who do a job just because they do it. And, you know, that's why lots of people, I remember the guy, I can't remember his name, is it Larry Lamb, the dad of Gavin oh. and Gavin and Stacey? The dad of, yeah. The tall grey guy. Yeah, that sure, he's like, hot. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's jokes. And he, I'm sure I've read somewhere, my mum told me that he basically didn't start acting until he was like 45. And he was just, he was doing some Amdram shit. And then someone picked him up and said like, do you want to be in Gavin and Stacey? Because we oh, think man. you're great. Point being is, yeah, so many people are the accountant, the IT consultant, whatever. I know people have hobbies and I think that's always fine. But I think that's the problem with school. And I remember this on your first podcast of this, as I said, avid listener, um, with uh, the author of The Furies. And you said how like the lockdown and stuff is a great time for uh, independence and artists because always it's like you haven't got a proper job. You're doing it on the side. So you're working in Curzon and then you're doing writing and then you're doing singing or music or whatever. And I think it is a problem with our society that they see success as having a full-time job. And I don't actually agree with that, despite me having a full-time job and being an accountant, which is the epitome of repetition and routine and expectation. Um, but when I was a kid leaving school, I never wanted to go to university. I only went to university to do rowing. As you said, I used to row. And my mum was like, oh yeah, but you should get A-levels and get, you know, cause you're smart enough. And it was, it was not bad advice and I don't regret it at all, but she was like, no, you're smart. So go to university cause you can. And you know, she didn't have the opportunity per se as well. And, and a lot of people don't. And, and I completely so glad she gave me that advice because I didn't love university at the time. I didn't love university for what it was in terms of the education. And, you know, I was like, oh, I can learn this on the job. And I was a proper chip on my shoulder thinking I just didn't want to be there. But the people I met, the skills I learned, the broadness to my knowledge of life and how to be and who I am really came from that time. But the actual degree, I'm not interested. Still not really. I mean, I don't think they always say that it's the school of life, not the school of whatever. But but I think that's it. I think and, and, and I'm very passionate about this in my team and my career as well. And I just want to mix it up for people. And people think that you know accountants have to be nine to five. You know, why? Why make redundancies for three full-time jobs when you could make, you know, six people part-time? Like it yeah. just People are so inflexible. And I think the, well, without getting onto a sort of political rant, like the systems in this country are just not set up well enough to support people to have those different um, different career choices that are mean that everyone can be more equal and more successful. So I know I've kind of got on a massive tangent, but to that point is, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think my drive to do this career was very accidental at first. I didn't plan to do this career. It just came from getting a job at Pizza Hut as a finance analyst and then going on to the next place and becoming another finance analyst and I went through it but I think there was a massive fear of being happy wouldn't make me able to survive or pay my bills or what have you mm. so I thought like let's just do what I should do like, like I said you earlier you know I've got maybe that's exactly what this time happened like, like you said I had I said earlier sorry I had the um I was at the place now where I had my financial security so I was a bit like oh, okay well I've ticked that box now now can I go be happy or yeah rather than the other the other way around yeah yeah and so maybe it was the sort of you know maybe maybe it's the sort of cheats way out you know should have tried harder to sort of do something that you know made it on my own without having to the qualifications or what have you 
um, you know, the typical struggling artist thing. I don't know, but I definitely think it was driven by security, not by dream. It wasn't my dream to be an FD or whatever. And don't get me wrong now, I do really like it. And particularly in my current job at Burger King, I love it. And I love my team and the people. And I'm in a really, really good, happy place. But you're right, there's probably a bit of an itch somewhere of this isn't my calling. Mm. However, I'm actually very successful at it, at it and I very and I really enjoy it. And I enjoy now the now I've gone through all this time, the impact I can have as a leader and a, as a mentor to other people. And that, that's Yeah, really yeah. Enjoy. You've got to the point where you can start to really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So if you had if money wasn't an option and it was taken off the table, what would you want to do for a career? Or would you stay where you are? No, I wouldn't know. Okay. And I think, yeah. And it sounds awful that was such a quick, that was such an easy question to answer. No, yeah, but it is. All. It's just, it's, and I know everyone sort of dreams to be something else. I don't know. Something creative, which is so against my ordered principles. But then I think, you know what? Like, I think there is a little bit of pre, predetermined destiny in all of it, though, because when I actually think about it and I strip back to the bare bones, as I just said now, I am detail orientated. I do love a plan. Can you imagine me if I was like a failing actor, not knowing where the next paycheck was coming from? Yeah, yeah, you'd be. I probably couldn't deal with it as much as I would love the idea of it. So I think that's what, without sounding really like neg on the whole thing, maybe I couldn't do it, even though the dream of it is to be, you know, to do something more creative. But I do need to, I do need a purpose. And I think that's the one thing, even if I was teaching people or on TV or or being an FD, I, I do need people to know what I'm there for and I think that if I was working for myself or just struggling around doing a odd job here or job there I'd, I'd struggle with that I need some kind of anchor and working from home has taught me that as well I need to be the person in the office asking how everyone is because I genuinely care and I'm just worried people don't remember that about me anymore <laughs> so oh, it's weird yeah I'm not like that I'm not I'm at home finally <laughs> to be fair I haven't been working so I would have felt like that like I have been working but not you know I wasn't I'd left as HR manager at Curzon before then I think I would have been itching for interaction if yeah, I, yeah, yeah yeah of course when you know in the back of your mind that it's not going to be there then you can it's easier to be at peace with it yeah you know Tyrion Lannister in Game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage? He was, uh, I think he was like what I did in finance, like, you know, accounts payable or something. And he actually, obviously at that level, you don't really, you don't make a lot of money from that. So he really went out on a limb. He got that part and now he's fucking... Imagine. Yeah. And he gives Imagine. speeches on like following your dreams and stuff. And I can so see you as that person. You're going to have the best of both worlds. Make this money now. <laughs> and then when you reach a certain age, you can be like. I think I think it would be good. I'll just start. Yeah. Start doing some Amdram or something. Yeah. Definitely. Or just get picked up. I need to start. I told you TikTok. I need to get my, I need to set, set up a TikTok channel. <laughs> yeah. just, and one day someone will find me. Well, hopefully well, I did a career video at work and then someone actually um, said like, oh my god you're just like Fleabag and I was like can you just send this to the, B- the BBC then you are so Fleabag it's it's the look I think even my friend messaged me about it she was like oh my god I get it it's the look it's actually when you say all right mate it's, <laughs> it's that exact look just send me the priest since December 2016 do you feel like you well, obviously you move your body more you've got back into rowing you buy the ticket more you've yet to spin the big wheel but do, how do you feel in general from if you read that back then to now I think I probably would have been quite daunted by that and also quite like frustrated like I was an animal in a cage without being able to get out so you don't have to feel the like you feel the wind your hair I think I felt so much like that then I wanted to get out I wanted to travel I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do and when, and now I look at it and I think, yeah, I would love to feel the light on a nice walk 
to calm myself down mm. to go to like I think the heat and the energy and the uncertainty has been taken out of all those words so now I see those words as positive words whereas before I probably would have seen them as negative and like constrictive like oh my god to travel the 17th I have to I'm in the wrong job I have to get out there like do you know what I mean I've just seen everything as a negative and really yeah oh god everything's awful rather than yeah if only I could feel joy and now I'm like yeah but now I've seen there are parts where I can feel joy and I am at a place where I want to make my dreams a reality but you know also I see only bit I'm not quite sure about here is the even bigger dreams because I'm I feel I'm a lot more content now and but remember, this was written all back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Still, I still don't see it as make your dreams into bigger dreams. I don't know. Maybe I did. Yeah, no, that would have been that would have been about probably like if you take them to concepts of like moving into people. Like, it would have been. I, I'm so happy and content here now, even though it's now our home. It's not a home I've moved into, and that's true. I think now it's just the settledness of everything. Um, I think it's yeah it's definitely different now I've seen this these words so much more positively now than I would have done at the time that's a big development in itself because even if your external circumstances don't change which they have anyway um your your resources to deal with them and like make them what you want them to mean yeah I know absolutely and I've moved jobs since then and all that sort of stuff where I think yeah now it's very much like I guess I did spin the big wheel when I left CDG and I didn't I didn't I basically asked a bit I made redundant with a job that hadn't been specified and was kind of a bit of a oh yeah I've probably got a job for you I was like, okay I'm gonna resign and then yeah. still didn't have it and even Jakob was like what what have you done and I was like I'll be fine because he said there's gonna be a job maybe sometime but you can't tell me what it is no because I'm like it's confidential and then if you look back now I'm like god that was such a that could have been such a stupid thing yeah. to do yeah but it did pay off actually so it's impossible to talk about Saturn in the fourth house without talking about home, family and the parents or primary caretakers. We also talk about Saturn in this house in more personal ways than Saturn in some of the other houses. It's more psychological and more close to the bone. The 10th fourth house axis of the zodiac wheel is often referred to as the parental axis. The fourth house often re- represents the mother but sometimes the father. It really depends on the particular chart, the person's life experience and the astrologer who's looking. Eliza herself, who wrote the book, so she doesn't even decide which is the mother or the father until she talks to the person. Saturn in the fourth house discussions often revolve around childhood and what life was like at home. Was it happy, sad, traumatic or wonderful? Was there a divorce or foster care? With Saturn here, we know there is an extra hurdle of some kind and the early years weren't all roses and butterflies. You may have been given responsibilities that you were not ready for or not age appropriate. Saturn in the fourth house can also denote the early death of a parent or caretaker or even neglect of the child. It will sometimes manifest like this because Saturn can be harsh and cruel and the fourth house is our start in life. On a good day, Saturn is the kind and gentle father or mother who teaches you necessary life skills with patience. But on a bad day, this same Saturn figure meets out unfair punishment. It can create an unusually stable household, stable parents, but one where life is very regimented and there are more rules than play dates. The child may have been alone often for too long. One thing is for sure though, the parents were likely harsher and harder than they needed to be and or the child experienced in that way. One or both parents expressed Saturn and the child absorbed it. This Saturn energy becomes imprinted on the child and they become Saturn just like the parents. How it ultimately manifests in later life is different for each person. Will they try to soften some of Saturn's harsher edges? Will they become even harsher? Maybe they will strike a balance. And that passage is taken from Eliza Einhorn's Little Book of Saturn. So 
without finishing that passage, what do you make of that so far? Yeah, it's again very, when I said actually the other one resonated a lot, I think this resonates as well very much so. Obviously, when I, well, obviously, obviously to you, sorry. Um, when I was a kid, yeah, things weren't normal at home. Um, I, I, I grew up with uh, just my mum and my sister, and my father wasn't around very much. Um, they he left when I was three years old but then kind of wasn't really around it wasn't like one of those typical ones where you go to your dad's at the weekend and your mum's during the week it was we saw him as and when very irregularly um I was obsessed with my father I absolutely love him to pieces he is the Larry Lamb he's the Joker he is a musician he was just the life and soul he would come in at parties and just start playing the piano and everyone loved him I worshipped him um but he just wasn't a very stable guy and he had a lot of his own issues and it's very easy to say that now <laughs> looking back at it but it obviously shapes your childhood and how you end up in adulthood and I find what was most interesting about childhood now when you're a bit older is to look back at what those times meant and at the time I don't think you really notice it you just do it you get on with it you probably notice you know you know that you haven't got a dad around and everyone else does but you don't it doesn't impact you until probably in your later teens when you start going out with boyfriends and there's one less person to sort of have to get through the uh, you know have to get through to and the dads are obviously probably the stricter ones but it's more when I got older and I was going on holidays and I would just watch families with kids and it used to like kill me just watching dads play with their kids in the swimming pools and stuff and laugh with them and carry them and help them eat their dinner and stuff and it was only when I was a bit older looking back I realized just probably how much I missed that in my childhood yeah and how like I said I was not an unhappy child and it wasn't an unhappy place but there was a lot of unhappy circumstances that did drive the way we lived so, like I said about the money, like we weren't financial, very financially stable because he'd got into lots of debts and left that with my mum who had to deal with it all. And, you know, she had, she was, I just cannot express how amazing she was as a woman and what she did for us. She was working all jobs below her intelligence levels just to get, you know, she, my mum was a very, very smart person, but was just doing loads of menial jobs just to get food on the table, to get money for us. And I just have so much respect for that. So it wasn't an unhappy time, but it was led by unhappy circumstances. Yeah. We never went without. She always did everything possible to make us, you know, as happy as we possibly could be. And we always went on a holiday every year, even though we, we drove uh, in our little Nissan Micro to a youth hostel. We never left the country, but it didn't matter. We had the best times. And I cannot tell you a bad holiday we had as kids, but we just had that one or two weeks every year in the summer in our little car with my gran, and it was the best. So do you know what I mean? I think you don't... Yeah. I don't feel I missed out when I was younger from anything, but there was that absenteeism that was discussed here. And um, also the early death of a parent or caretaker, it wasn't a death, but he obviously had left. And it did, I did spend a lot of time alone. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but you know, I remember wait being in like the after school room after, you know, the late room we called it, because my mum worked until six. So we had to, that the school was open until six, it was like the homework room. And, you know, I knew that woman, who run the homework room who's one of the dinner ladies like better than some of my good friends because every night we'd just be there but I just again I never saw it as a negative at the time yeah. so you knew I you were loved and that's all that kids 
yeah and that's it and I think it's only in later life when you start realizing the consequence with your own relationships and your own friendships of probably the missing part it comes out in later life I think more than in earlier life um but yeah it was it was it was a stable household you know we we knew exactly what we were doing it was never we were so lucky we weren't you know I know many people who um been in worse positions where they've had to be moved from house to house or flat to flat it wasn't like that at all. It was so stable. My grand lived around the corner. We used to go to my grand's all the time if we couldn't be at my mum's or like, you know, after school or whatever. It was, it was fantastic, but it was, I grew up very fast as a result Yeah. because I knew something wasn't quite right because it wasn't, you know, and there was always, yeah. there was always issues and there was reasons my mum was working so hard and all those jobs. You didn't quite work it out at the time, but it, it was, everything was shaped by that. So you can't ignore it. And when it says, um, it says, will you try to soften some of Saturn's harsher edges or will they become even harsher or maybe they'll strike a balance? I feel like you, you're, you probably are are harder or more uh, goal orientated and fearful, as you put it in a broad sense of being secure, but then you're, you're also like really happy and vibrant because you know the importance that love is actually all that matters. Would you say that you try and strike a balance between the, the two subconsciously because of your upbringing? I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's very accurate. And I think also like what's interesting here is probably how you are to yourself and how you are to others. I think I'm very hard on myself, but to others, I'm like, sort of soft, but do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm the opposite. I would never speak to my friends like I speak to myself. Mm. I know that's what they obviously say in like psychology half the time, like stop being so hard on yourself. Mm. But I am really hard. If I get something wrong or I let someone down, I'm so hard on myself. And I find that very, um, it does sometimes all consume me. But like you say, when my friends and outside, I just want to be there for everyone because I know that's all that matters and to be in big groups of happy people. Like, because it wasn't as prevalent when I was younger and I didn't, I didn't have that, to you know when you sort of have I didn't I didn't have a family like or a household full of laughing people all the time do you know what I mean it was quite a quiet place and my sister's four years older than me um and you know she was a teenager when I went to the place she had no interest she was all out with her cool friends and I was like you know a place like that my mum was working so I was a bit like okay well I got into sports then and I got into my own communities and I did my own stuff obviously but it was probably the age from like 10 and 12 when my sister would have been 14 to 16 when I was just like okay um like I was too young to sort of go out on my own but I didn't do sort of certain stuff but I was still mature enough and wanted to be just wanted to be my sister all the time I was obsessed even when she did algebra at school I was like I want to do algebra too like and that's the reason you're an accountant (laughs) I was like she's got letters in in like maths I remember literally she showed me these like cool x's and I was like what is this um and I was just obsessed with just like yeah chasing that dream I guess but um yeah, I think I am a lot more softer now, but like I said, it's, it is a, uh, sorry, as you said, it is a blend of a bit of harsh and soft, but I definitely think I'm much softer to others than I am to myself. Well, it says this is, um, you, you, despite what you went through in your childhood, you can heal any old pain and create your dream home, which I feel like you have. I mean, I can't speak for if you've healed your old pain, but in term, do you think any of your childhood affected that particular time in December do you think anything like any childhood issues that you hadn't really unearthed were pushing you towards feeling a certain way towards wanting to settle down with your boyfriend or uh, feeling insecure in your job 
I think that the one thing you never quite sorry I take that back it's I think again the problem is it's how I feel rather than what has been given to me and so this is again no disrespect to anyone around who's been around in my life but it's how I feel like because it's my issue not theirs it's just that reassurance sometimes and I think when you haven't had a parent around it's not because my mum didn't do enough it's just sometimes you want someone you need a hard and a soft parent and I think I just had one who was both and so sometimes when you're in that frame of mind whatever however nice they've been on some days you know with yourself as well there was that time they weren't nice because they had to be that person and so for your own safe and probably own safety at the time what have you but my grandmother was the person who always was like just my my buddy my angel and she was just always looked after me and she was also but she was also tough love and I think there's never anyone sometimes to just be like oh don't worry you fuck that up it'll be all right don't worry and that reassurance I was always chasing acceptance Mm -hmm. And without my father being around, because like I said, I was absolutely obsessed by the guy and I always, always wanted his, not his attention, like daddy, daddy, daddy. I just wanted him to know what what I was doing, that I was alive, Mm. what I was up to. And I think sometimes that does manifest when I'm at my low points of getting a little bit needy where I'm like, I just want someone to tell me they love me today. Like, can you just give me that reassurance? And I think in that time where everything was all over the place, it bring when I'm in my lowest points or when I'm obviously in places like this uh, sat and return when I was just not myself is when I really crave that attention or that love from something that I think I was missing at that time and like I said it's not because I didn't have enough it's just it's how I perceived it because you do sometimes feel despite everything else that you've got in your life there was a parent that didn't want or maybe they did want to know you, but they it appeared they didn't want to know you or didn't have anything to do with you. And it just can't be shrugged off. However much therapy, counselling and health, and literally I'm fine about it. It's not no longer a problem for me, but it does have that. It's, it's def- it'll never go away. Yeah, There's you don't know anything else because it happened no. like of years. So you can't even tell yourself to, to get, like remove yourself from it or step out of it because you actually have never had that experience before to compare it no. to it's just part of you yeah and it's sometimes like that where I feel like it's it's not like he was like that and then wasn't he never was yeah it was not like he was really loving and then wasn't it just he was never really around so it was just kind of that sort of vibe where you just sometimes want someone just to tell you like it's going to be okay or yeah they love you or they've just got that you just I sometimes when I yeah my lowest point just do get needy and I think that was definitely in this time just needed someone to be like it's all right man you got it and instead oh. I just got really drunk at a Christmas party. Then, uh... <laughs> I remember. You're, I feel like you were always that person, though. Like, I know that if anyone's feeling down, you will be the first to tell them everything's going to be all right, how amazing they are. You don't want them to worry. So you have definitely softened any harsh satin edges, I think, <laughs> that have been given. Three final questions I wanted to ask you. So, Number one, the main difference between you now and you and your Saturn return, and do you feel like you've kind of nailed your Saturn return now? And what do you still need to work on? I think I've definitely, I definitely have learned from it. And I think I'm definitely in a better place. I look back at that time now and think, not that I was like an irrecognisable person, because obviously I'm still the same person. I've still done the same things. But I do definitely think that I would never do some of the things I did then again 
I think I've grown up a lot and it's given their maturity and that probably self-confidence to be like, no, I didn't need to do that. I didn't need to be that person to sort of like, say like get drunk and make those phone calls and just sort of throw my toys out the pram. What did I do? I just, I, after leaving that Christmas party, when we were going on to another bar, I emptied out my water bottle and filled it up with red wine because I was so desperate. I was like, we need to get really drunk. And then was like got on the tube and was just like so smug that I had this bottle of water left that I could drink on the way home and then looked down it was full of red wine no <laughs> oh, like, that, that is the epitome oh, of my Saturn return in like a visual form and I was like oh no <laughs> I thought it was so clever and I was like and I think I literally had two sips of it on the way to that club and then realized it was free drinks there as well I was like way I was just that was like Jane Jarrett who was buying everyone <laughs> <laughs> oh god I just remember it so clearly but I was just like I mean, so it sounds like a really petty example, but it's so true of where I was. I was just like intense and just all about like consumption and just, oh, just I had to be, if I'm going to get, if I'm going to go out, I've got to get really drunk. And it's just really out of character for me. And I think there's so many things then just, yeah, I just was quite reckless as a, as a person, which is not what I'm like. So I think I definitely learned from those times and also look back very clearly, actually, at that time period as a point in my life where I knew I wasn't quite at my best so you know looking back I definitely think it, it has sculpted where I am now and I think it's taught me a lot of lessons but you know the best lesson it's taught me is the fact that we're still mates I'm still mates with everyone there like yeah. you can learn you can have yeah you can have your shit times and you can be a shit but actually I think that was what I think going back to sort of that family piece it's like I didn't I always thought that if I did something wrong I'd almost be punished for it and I think it did teach me that real friends and true true love forgives and moves on and can see the best in you and I think that was probably my, well, I had so much insecurities coming into that point and like I said not feeling like I was good enough for the job or the place I was in or maybe the relationship I was in and actually looking back at that time looking at that I was a fact I was a bit of a dickhead but I'm still with my boyfriend and with the friends I was there then what's in interesting a great place. it was new friends as well mm. yeah, yeah literally and I think it gave me a lot of reassurance that actually yeah everyone everyone fucks up now and again or says something stupid or says something they regret or does something they regret there's not particularly really really harmful but it's just like oh you know what yeah it's okay everyone can see past that and just see the good in you and I think that really was really humbling from that experience in that time and last question what would you tell yourself at that age now if you could <laughs> don't fill your water bottle up with red wine at the <laughs> party <laughs> you will regret it <laughs> um no, probably, <laughs> jokes aside. Probably that. <laughs> <laughs> in a nutshell, if I had to give one piece of advice, um, I had the worst headache the next day um, because of that exact moment. And then Londis was shut when I got back home, so I couldn't even get myself a water. Well, that is and actually then, like, an analogy of, like, literally, <laughs> don't fill up your own life's water bottle with red wine instead of water. It's like, <laughs> yeah, see, I could get paid for this shit. Um, this is advice. I'll be on, I'll be on LinkedIn learning tomorrow with that. Um, no, I do. Yeah, I think it's just be kind to yourself, you know, like be that person. Like, I think I've always, I only really, really get upset when I think I've upset other people, not when I've upset myself. But I think I was thinking about that earlier and I was like, it's just, it's only ever when I think I've upset, upset or hurt a friend, it eats me in inside alive until I know for, or have reassurance from that person that it's okay. And I think now 
at the time I need to, I need to do that for myself as well and I think since that time I'm doing that more and more and more like I just said it's okay to know that if I fuck up it's going to be okay going forward um I think just t t telling it is like love yourself be a bit more kind to yourself because everyone has bad days and good days and you never know what person you're going to get at that time but just be kind to yourself and and and, and back yourself because actually people do like you and and, and love you and you think and and it's just it just reassure yourself that that's that's the case oh i do love you lizzie oh, i love you too Pam. a big thank you to lizzie for joining us today you can follow her on instagram at hillsy987 that's h-i-l-l-s-y-987 more thank yous to eliza einhorn for writing the little book of saturn phil donnelly for the jingle and ara for the artwork don't forget to share and subscribe if you enjoyed and you can listen out for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts by searching Thank You Saturn. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.